This WBEZ podcast is supported by the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Suicide is a topic that hides in the shadows. It's time we talk away the dark, learn how to spot the warning signs for suicide, and how you can have an open, caring, real conversation to help save lives. Visit the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention to watch the new short film and learn more at AFSP.org slash talkawaythedark. What's up, Chicago? I'm Erin Allen, and this is The Rundown. It's restaurant week here in Chicago, and that's a 17-day week, which is an interesting marketing strategy, but great. All the more time to check out a bunch of dope restaurants and get a little discount on the bill. And since this coincides with it being a new year, what better time to take the temperature of the restaurant industry as a whole here in Chicago? What restaurants are we sad that we lost last year? What new spots have popped up that we can look forward to? And what are some of the food trends restaurants are starting to lean into? To answer some of these questions, I called up a couple amazing food writers. One is Michael Nagrant. He's the author of a Substack site called The Hunger, and he's also an anonymous food critic, which means he was very cloak and dagger about us using his image. Yeah, I always do the pseudonyms, have the like fake credit cards. I've been doing this since 2005, so like I'm not always anonymous, but I would say 90% of the reviews I do, I get in and out without people knowing. And I also got Brenda Storch on the line. She's a contributor for the Chicago Eater, and she created the blog LaVitaminaT.com. Brenda was born in Mexico, and she admitted to me that it takes her some time before she can visit a new Mexican restaurant in Chicago. She said it's kind of like listening to a cover of your favorite song. The cover could be really good, but if the song is not exactly the way you remember it, it just doesn't hit you in your soul. (laughs) These two are lovely, and they both know how lucky we are to live in Chicago, where the food scene is so rich and varied. I started by asking each of them to wax poetic about why they love food in the first place. Michael told me that he's the son of Polish immigrants, so he often communicated with his extended family through food. And that has guided what he looks for in the Chicago food scene. I know that there are a lot of voices that aren't being heard And there is a lot of art being pursued. You know, cooking is a craftsmanship in general, Mm -hmm. 90% of the time. But 10% of people out there are using it really foundationally as an art medium. Um, And I really want to find the artists. I want to find the people who have a real voice, that they're telling a story. They're not just giving you food, which is fine. And that's great. But but a lot of people aren't focusing on those folks. And so if I can tell those stories, that's what makes me excited. Culinary art is an art. Here's what Brenda said. Food is really, um, as an immigrant, I was born and raised in Mexico City, Mexico. And to me, uh, food was a way to connect in the distance. You know, finding my uh, bearings in in a new city, I started with food. Not only the food that you bring um, in your recipes and you unpack, but also the food that you discover in your neighborhood. I um, I started to write about food precisely because of that passion. I wanted to elevate on the representative narratives and help deepen the understanding of uh, Mexican cuisine. Um, my mantra is, if you like my food, perhaps you like the people who make it. Hmm. 
One other point Brenda made that I loved was that a lifetime is not long enough to appreciate food, which is so true. But also, goodness, food is only one part of life. So there were a lot of great restaurants that closed um, this past year. Uh, Michael, what were you sad to lose? Yeah, so I live literally 500 feet from Owen and Engine. Um, so while I think it's a huge loss for Chicago, um, ultimately it's a huge personal loss for me. Like it's one of the places I've eaten at most in the city. Um, you know, and, and people who are familiar with it know that they had one of the best burgers in the city. But also, you know, my wife and I were talking about this the other day. You know, the idea of like Irish pubs or English pubs, most of them are like really cheesy, right? It seems like if you have like a fake red phone booth or like a picture of an elephant, then it's a pub and it's authentic. And what I liked about it was that, you know, Bo Fowler, who was the owner, made a real commitment. She didn't give any of that sort of cheesy decor, but she was doing the things that you do in England, like a hand-pulled draft, for example, that was cast-conditioned, you know, and almost like not lukewarm, but like a more of a room-temperature beer. So these kind of like real nods to the tavern as opposed to like the the disnification of a tavern. <laughs> so, I, I mean, ultimately, I'm really sad that that one closed. The The upside of that is, you know, Bo went through some health uh, issues. She started to manage what is important to her and and, yeah. and take it a little bit away. And so the good news is she still has Bishi beer in Logan Square, which, you know, I don't know if a lot of people know this, but I, I'll say this because I didn't know it. And I'm somebody who's theoretically connected. One day I'm walking down the street and I see a sandwich board outside Bishi and it's like, we have dim sum on the weekends. And I'm like, I didn't know that. So we popped in, you know, I eat dim sum in Chinatown all the time. And there are some great places, but I fundamentally believe Bo's uh, dim sum brunches on Saturday and Sunday are the best in the city. It's just extraordinary. And then the thing about Bishi, it doesn't seem like, well, that would be a great replacement for Own and Engine. But she's doing Owen and Engine nights at Bishi. So you could still get the burger. You could still get some of the cool plates. So in some ways, it's like the best of both worlds. And we haven't really lost the thing. So that's that's kind of cool. Mm. All right. You you gave us all packaged it all up for us. You're like, this is gone, but this is where you can go instead. Thank you. Uh, Brenda, why don't you get into some of the, the spots you feel like you're going to really miss? Two of the places that I was really uh, devastated to lose were Saint Marie in Lincoln Square, um, and the other one is Shanshan Taste at the Richland Center. If you think beauty could not come from a basement food court, um, you know you would you would definitely be shocked to try uh, the Biang Biang noodles that they serve at Shanshan Taste. Yes, this was a tiny little storefront. There was a stall um, and this incredible ribbony hand stretched noodles that they cooked with the most delicious mouth watering pork belly was so extraordinary. I must have missed something. I went back and, and saw a note on Reddit that said they had closed. And oh. I when I went there, I couldn't believe it. I I honestly, I can tell you, I believe I cried. I was so sad. I was mourning for weeks. I, I, I don't know where to find this garlicky, chili oil, oniony um, delicacies. If Michael, I know that there's new noodle places. There might not be Yang Yang. I know there's a few ones that have come up. And one in particular that I've been hearing about 
So it might not be a perfect replacement, but it might be something exciting to try um, as well. I'll let you talk about it. You know what I'm talking about, Michael. That new uh, ramen place that everybody's talking about. Not exactly Um, apples to apples, but uh, I haven't been. I want to go. Yeah, uh, you're talking about Akahoshi Ramen. Yes, yes. Uh, Yeah, Mike Satinover. I went there, uh, I think, probably in December. And ultimately, it was not a disappointment. You know, ultimately, the thing with a great noodle is that, like, that, you know, people say al dente. I wish there was a better word for it because everybody says that word. And I don't even think people know what that means. I don't like know what too- it means. I got the Hello Fresh boxes and they be telling me al dente. And I'm like, okay, I'm yeah. just going to taste it and see if it tastes right. Yeah. And the other one is like toothsome, which I don't get that either. But it's <laughs> it's the firmness in the noodle, right? Just a little bit chewy, but not too chewy. Yeah. And and it's it's just got that feel. So, yeah, I, I agree. I was thinking about, but I was thinking about the Beyond Beyond that you were talking about. Yeah. And I was like, where else would I go? And the reality is the noodles are great at Akahoshi, but they're not the same thing. Right, right. Cheyenne Cuisine does them, but they're not as good. Um, Lao Peng Yu has some good noodles, yeah. but again, not the same thing. I will say that uh, Triple Crown Seafood does a hand-pulled noodle. It's not Beyond Beyond, but it's it's more of a thinner noodle. Mm-hmm. But it does have like a really good shoe. So their hand-pulled noodles at, at Triple Crown are really good. Yeah. And the other place that I was really sad to lose is Hell Marie. Yeah. They are in Lincoln Square. They're closing after four decades. Um, they're, they're retiring. And I know that they're still open. They're planning on closing by the end of the month. They haven't set a firm date. But um, I have other favorite bakeries, Pan Artesanal and Hermosa. They make really, really good pan dulce. So, uh, you know, I always know that I, I have somewhere to go. Yeah. But it, it, it's just not German bakery, right? It's a completely different thing. I want to get into some of the new restaurants um, that have opened up or that are coming up this year. Um, Brenda, can you tell me what's on your radar? You're you're vegan, right, Erin? Mostly, yes. So one of the places that really surprised me last year was uh, the Mbusios. Uh, it's a taqueria in Logan Square, mm. and they have a really fantastic vegan al pastor. If you know al pastor, al pastor is a staple of Mexico City tacos. If I could only eat one thing, that would be it. Okay. I would eat it every day. All right. And Don Bucios had this delicious vegan tacos. They really surprised me. Um, sadly, I hear that they're going to be closing their dining room. They're going to be serving uh, just basically as a carry out. Okay. So um, hopefully, you know, we can all rally around them. They're fantastic. And you can get to try some really good vegan out store. What's What's one that you had where you're like, this is... I mean, did it take you home? Like, was it just a new delicious kind of flavoring? What did you love about what you had there? If you try a pasta in Mexico City, they are very lean slices that are cut in front of you. They're charred by the fire. They are served with pineapple and they have, you know, lime and cilantro. What and kind onion. of animal is this El Pastor? It's pig. It's pig. Yeah, it's Got pig. You. Thank yes. you. It's probably one of the best things to ever happen to our tortilla. Yeah, if you experience that flavor, it's just going to stay with you forever. So I was shocked because wow. many times I try a pasta that's soggy yeah. or it's cubed. And this, you know, even though it was fake meat, I cannot tell you it was identical, but the flavor was just spot on. It was mm. beautiful. Thanks for the recommendation. I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to head over there. I did um 
Yeah, I'm always looking for actual good, high-quality vegan food. You know, sometimes people just throw a little something on their menu just to say they did it. <laughs> right. Um, and it's, it's so not really given. Yeah. Right, or so you can eat with your friends, right? Right, so- exactly. Um, but, yeah, when you, you, know, you know you're doing a good job when, um, when, yeah, you actually give thought to the plant-based option when it's, not, when it's a rarity on your menu. Yeah, I didn't feel like I was compromising. How about you, Michael? Anything you're looking forward to? Or look, watching for. Yeah, well, one I want to talk about real quick. Um, it opened last year, but it is just starting to get the the nod or the mentions it deserves. I ended up going to Atelier in Lincoln Square, Christian Hunter's place, and Tim Lacey. And I had this incredible meal. And I think what's interesting about it is it's like that pre-fee where it's like a fixed menu where you have like, I think it's like seven or eight courses and you don't get a choice, right? They'll make accommodations for dietary restrictions. But what was interesting about it is that Christian is doing something that a lot of people will stay away from because critics often think that you can't do everything. You have to focus in on one thing. And what he's doing is deconstructions across all kinds of cultures. Mm. So he's doing like African fritters. He's doing like uh, uh, tacos, like deconstructed pupusa from El Salvador, even like a traditional, like almost like a, a Thanksgiving, like pheasant course that's deconstructed. And so it's very pan universal across the spectrum. But what's unique about it is the execution is perfect on everything. Now, maybe it won't meet that nostalgia ideal for somebody who grew up in El Salvador, Mm -hmm. but it's good, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, and nobody was talking about it. And I was blown away that like seven months in, I was the first person to review it. Now, the good news is Mm -hmm. he just recently received a Michelin star like a month and a half ago or two months ago. So now it's like getting in the thing. But. I don't think people still know about it. So I want to note that one because I want people to to get there, right? Yeah. And then I'll throw one out there that I have no details on. Um, but you guys might remember somebody named Maria Russell. And Maria was the first African-American chef to get a Michelin star when she was at Kumiko and uh, Kiko uh, in, in the West Loop. Yeah. And she's been kind of off the radar for the last four years. Um, she's yeah. been like, she went to Hawaii. Uh, she's lived in Nashville. I, you know, I am such a fan of her work and um, I know she's been popping up a little bit on Instagram lately doing some local dinners. I know that she's back in Chicago doing some things. I don't have any details on what will happen, but I, su- I suspect we're going to see something from her this year. Interesting. And that's, that's a voice that I, I, I mean, I, I just love her work so much. So are you, we'll- is this like a hope or is this like you, you feel like you got some feelers out and probably there's going to be something. I might know some people. Oh, okay. So, All so, right. so I, I legitimately don't know specifically, <laughs> but I do know that she's she's looking to do some things, I think, in Chicago this year. Okay. I just want to zoom out a little bit and talk about trends when it comes to food culture um, and the way people are going to be approaching food. Um, Go ahead, Michael. 
next year is going to be all about live fire cooking. I think it's already been hot for the last two or three years, but now you see, for example, what El Shea Steakhouse did and you see what um, Warlord did this year and Bracero, which is the new one that's opening up from John Mannion. You know, it, th- people are just going to say, oh, everybody loves live fire. Let's just do live fire. And, <laughs> you know, what? What? and that's fine. But what I'm interested in is somebody who, you know, is undeterred by their, like, they're going to pursue their vision irrespective of other things. I mean, it, it is a capital enterprise, but if you can ignore that, you're going to get the money, you know, money always follows if you're focused on your voice and focus on pursuing what's in your heart. But, but what I would say from a, 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 a trend standpoint, whether it's good or bad is because the costs of running a restaurant are increasing significantly, we're lo- going to see a lot of cost cutting measures, right? We're seeing, so for example, I saw something really interesting at this place called John's food and wine last week. Uh, you walk in, and you place your order at the counter. It's a real sit-down restaurant, but there are no servers. It's a little tough because you're like, mm. you want to come in with your friends. Mm-hmm. And you, know, you usually everybody gets a drink, does that dance where you negotiate. Now you're forced to do it standing up at the counter. And that doesn't <laughs> feel great because now you're in like a tense battle. No, I want the scallops. No, I want, you know. And so um, <laughs> I am a little concerned that next year we're going to see some things like QR codes not just QR code menus either, QR code ordering. You know, the other thing too, I'll acknowledge I'm a little bit older now. Like, am I crazy? Maybe like if you grew up now in a world where there's less service and everything's more direct, maybe folks like that. I don't know. You know, so I'd, I'd be open to that idea too, but I don't I don't know that that's true, but yeah. It's, it's very interesting to me uh, to observe the trends. I, I think social media has a lot to do with them. Mm. I was fascinated about how we were so focused about tacos in 2022. Then it became very much an Asian trend, specifically Southeastern 2023. I don't know if there's a culture we are uh, seeing popping up for 2024. I haven't felt it yet. I've seen a lot of soup talk. Uh, I think soup is becoming very important and I love it because it's very foundational. It's a very easy way to explore new cultures and new flavors, which is very much my shtick. Of course, we have pozoles and birrias and other uh, soup-based dishes. Um, I don't know what 2024 has in store for us. I was really not expecting Cambodian cuisine last <laughs> last year, which was fantastic. What a gift, right? What a gift. Yes. So I'm excited for what's, uh, what's to come. Yeah. Oh, my God. I love some soup. You, you said the magic word to me. I'll eat soup year round. So, yeah, good to know. I hope that's the trend. Michael Negrant is the writer and critic behind The Hunger a great site for local reviews on Substack. Michael, thank you. Oh, thank you so much again for having me. Brenda Storch is a food writer and a food and culture radio host. You can check her out Saturday mornings at 940 on WKRS, which is 1220 a.m. And it is an Espanol. Brenda, thank you for being here. It has been a true honor and a privilege. Brenda also has a blog. It's called LaVitaMinati.com. You know what, Brenda, why don't you t- tell me a, tell me a little bit about that name? It kind of has a funny backstory. This is probably a little bit of an inside joke because La Vitaminata is the way we refer to in Mexico as anything that begins with a T, right? So it's tacos, tortas, tostadas, for example. So when you say I'm going to sneak out and get some vitamin T on, you know where you're going. That That's much better than my website because... 
The Hunger sounds like it could be a horror movie. And that's it for today. Thanks to Justin Bull and Sarah Stark for producing The Rundown and to Ariel Van Klee for editing the show. Brendan Banaszak is our executive producer. Our theme music is by Louis Weeks. The Rundown is produced by WBEZ Chicago and is a part of the NPR Network. And the biggest thank you to Yoga Girl 1314 for calling us the best Chicago news podcast, period. And thank you for giving us five stars on Apple Podcasts. If you love this show, please get like Yoga Girl 1314 and rate and review us. I'll shout you out on the show and it'll help more people find the rundown. I'm Erin Allen. Have a lovely weekend. I'll talk to you on Monday. Hold up. 